Parents and guardians, it's time once again for the Fearless Parenting Show. Well, 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 welcome to another episode of Fearlessly Parenting. Moms, dads, guardians, all of us have challenges. All of us have hurdles that we have to overcome, and that includes our children and teens. And these challenges can range anywhere from physical disabilities like cerebral palsy, maybe your child is on the autism spectrum, or maybe they're just having trouble in school, trouble focusing, trouble doing homework. The bottom line is all of our children and teens have hurdles that they have to overcome. And we as parents, we want to help our children overcome those and sometimes it could be a real challenge. Well, I want to tell you, I'm here today with a gentleman that's going to give you a hope. Someone that's going to be that light in the dark tunnel. His name is Trent McIntyre. Trent overcame cerebral palsy to become an athlete. He even earned a college scholarship in dance. And Trent has used what he's learned to help parents like you help your children and teens become the best version of themselves. So without further ado, here's Trent McIntyre. Hey, Trent, I'm glad to have you on my podcast here today. I was really excited with Jude. Uh, I guess you're, uh, what, what would you call Jude? Uh, yeah, he he's, uh, you call him an agent. He's my agent. Well, <laughs> Jude was very nice. I got a very nice email on you. He sent me a lot of good information on you. So tell Jude, I appreciate that. Well, do. He said he thought that you would make a great guest. And I looked at your suggested topics and I said, hey, I, I need to have Trent on my podcast for my moms and dads and guardians out there. But Trent, I'd like for you to start off and tell my audience your story. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Stan. I appreciate the, the platform and the ability, ability to share and hopefully help your audience. Um, you know, my story became my life's work, became my career, not by plan, just by happen. And, you know, I, my, my whole life from when I can, as far back as I can remember, I've always been athletic. I've always had a certain athletic ability, but I was always really tight and stiff and, and had a lot of discomfort and pain. And I just happened to get into dance and dance became something that felt good because there was so much stretching and there's so much strengthening and sort of therapeutic nature to the athletics that it felt good. And I could still be an athlete. So I played basketball. I'd done other sports, but dance was something that felt good on, in addition to being athletic. Um, turned out I had some talent in it. I got a scholarship to go to college and study dance at college. And so I did that. And that was for me, in my family, that was a very bizarre thing to have happen. I grew up on a dairy farm in a very small town, and you know, it's very unusual to then go off to college. To <laughs> hey, God worked in mysterious ways. Bro. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so I got to college and and had a scholarship, and you know, felt like this was this was a way out of this small town and in to make a life for myself and um, be the first in my family to go to college and and do that. And so, uh, you know. Partway through the year, uh, I was doing was dancing every day, probably six or seven hours a day, doing Pilates, lifting weights, doing cardio, 
very, very high level. And then I woke up one morning and I could barely walk to the shower. I had so, so much pain and inflammation from the knees down that I just kind of shuffled to the shower um, and thought, man, this is, this is bad. This is, this is something that I'm not sure if I can overcome. And uh, at the time um, it was just before holiday break. So I didn't have too much pressure on me to keep performing with this pain. So I went home for holiday break and I was, I was just kind of a complaining to my mom. And it's like, I don't get why this hurts so much. Like why I have so much limitation and I'm, I'm so stiff from the knees down what's going on. And, and she looked at me and she was like, well, Trent, that's because you were born with cerebral palsy. And I, mean, I was, I was 19 and I was like, wait, what, first of all, I don't know what that is. So can you back up and you act as though I already should know what this means and lay it out for me. Like what? She's like, yeah, when you were three, don't you remember when you were three? And I was like, yeah, I I don't really have the memory of three on recall, but she's like, yeah, when you were three, the doctors actually put a cast on you from the knees down to force your ankle flat because you didn't have any mobility in your ankles. So there was no surgery, but they forced your Achilles tendon to stretch so that you could actually stand flat on your feet. Um, Cause I had learned how to walk on the balls of my feet. Apparently now there are toe walkers, but there are also people like me that actually didn't have the ability to put my heels down. And so then when she had cued that memory, I suddenly had memory of, of having a hard time doing stairs and oh, having my oh. older brother put garbage bags on my legs and throw me into snowbank and, you know, all the things that sort of like would be markers. I was like, wow, that's, that's remarkable. And that became like, I didn't want to lose my scholarship. I wanted to keep dancing and I wanted to dance professionally. So I had to figure out a way to, to solve this. And so this is really where what's now been a 25 year career started to blossom because, you know, I was, I was also doing studies in kinesiology and anatomy and movement sciences and movement therapies. And I decided to just put all this stuff together and basically experiment on my own body. And, and tried different modalities and exercises and inventing my own things along the way and journaling what worked, what didn't work, keeping the things that worked, throwing away the things that made it worse. And then I was able to rehab my own injury. And that, that started a modality for myself where really, I didn't know it at the time, but it became really about the brain. It's really about, we know now that the brain is plastic those weren't words we had back then. So I didn't know those words back then, but we now know that I was able to do that because the brain is plastic and we can create new patterns. We can create brand new patterns our entire life. You used to think that, you know, once you got to be an adult, your brain couldn't change. And since we know that that's not the case, that it can change, looking back, what actually happened is I was just figuring out how to navigate and repattern my movement so I could have something that'd be healthy. Okay. And and, you know, having, having this brain injury, having cerebral palsy at birth, and a lot of people don't understand what that is. And it's it, just to make it simple, it's having a brain injury at birth and that brain injury then, and it was mild. So it wasn't, you know, sometimes you see somebody with cerebral palsy and they might have a walker, they're in a wheelchair and there's a, there's a severity level um, that you might recognize, but at a class one, and there's a lot of people with class one, you wouldn't know by looking at me. You'd have to have me move. You'd have to test movement to go, oh, there's, there's no range of motion there. You know, I couldn't lift my arms higher than my shoulders. I couldn't, I couldn't bend my knees and ankles very much. And so the process of finding that movement became how I started like really developing my problem solving skills that would eventually go on to help other people. Wow. 
It, it sounds like this really got you motivated to think outside the box because either you had to just stay in that comfort zone. Okay, this is what I know. I got the pain and everything. There's nothing I can do about it. I like the fact that you stepped outside your comfort zone. But one of the things I really caught is that you were journaling things. Yeah. You were writing things down so that you could go back and reflect on what was working and not working. And I tried to uh, encourage my moms and dads to do the same thing for themselves, do it for their kids, because their kids can come later on down the line and go, well, I don't think that uh, I have any talents. I don't think I have any skills. But if you journal, you would have recorded the various different wins that they had. So you can show them that those limiting beliefs that they're having, they're just not true. You are capable. So you took this and uh, tell me how you applied it uh, in college. I mean, you know, when did things start to change and turn around for you? And, uh, you know, what happened to cause this change? Well, it, it was, it was really the motivation of, I'm not, I'm, I'm only going to be successful at college. I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not changing my program. I, I am going to be successful here. And this is my ticket. I mean, that was really, it, it was like, this is my ticket out of here. And when, when I was a kid, I'd watch airplanes fly over my house. And I would say to myself, like one day I'm going to be on that plane and I'm going to see the world. And so that was, that was my mentality. I, I only had, I had tunnel vision and, and blinders on. I'm going, I'm going in one direction and it's, it's going to work and I'm going to, I'm going to be successful. I think that was the energy behind it because it certainly, I didn't have any experience doing this. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm going to employ my problem solving techniques that I've been polishing for, you know, 20 years. No, I was just like, okay, well, I'll just do what makes sense to me and what comes, what comes naturally. And, um, and being at a, at a university where there's the facilities, I could take advantage of all of our facilities and my professors and, you know, you know, tap into their experience and knowledge to pull, pull everything together for myself. Um, and what was, what was really cool is that while I was there, um, because I had such interest and um, ability in the kinesiology and movement science part of it, I became a teaching assistant and then also, um, you know, volunteered in different aspects in terms of helping other students learn how to do various movement modalities. And so I was able to then take what had worked for me and start with some students as guinea pigs and start teaching right away. I think that is really where I could, you know, transition from it just being for me to how do I communicate this to other people? When I, when I got out of college and, you know, dancers don't make a lot of money, I had to make a living. So I decided to teach this uh, privately with cl clients one-on-one. -on -one. And that's where I started to get real people off the street that had, you know, joint replacements and spine issues and arthritis and osteoporosis and Parkinson's and MS, all these conditions and kids that had movement limitations that I could relate to. And really, I was just saying, will these, will these techniques in repatterning the brain help other people? I don't know, because I didn't have the language. And then after a couple of years of teaching, books started coming out about the brain. The brain is plastic. And, and I thought, well, I should read these books. This, this is probably good information for me to have. And as I'm reading them and it's talking about patterning of the brain and how it works, I was like, wow, this is what I do. 
I never had the language. I didn't have the vocabulary to, t- to tell you about it because I didn't realize what it was that I was really doing with that repatterning. And I, so I, I like that. Let, you, you know, if you don't mind, let me segue off of that to my parents, yeah. because I can see parents out there who might have children who have mobility problems, uh, school problems, whatever problems that they, they might have. And they're saying, you know, I, I got the situation with my child and I just don't know what to do. And I'm hearing hope from you. Mm. So coming from the vantage point of hope and knowledge, what are you able to say to parents and guardians now uh, to give them hope with their child? Yeah, man, hope is a is a great thing to have. And, and this is really about making it really simple, because my journey is long and complicated and, you know, goes in many different directions. So what I think what parents really should consider is that we know that the brain learns through its senses. That's how we reach really crucial, important developments in our brain is through our senses. So that's the foundation for everything. And so when you're looking for solutions for your tough situation, whether it's homework or it's a movement capability or it's regulation, it's focus, it's attitude, whatever it is, that solution is in the senses and and lives in how that development happens. And that can be a leap for some people. They're like, I don't don't understand. What's he talking about? It's in the senses, right? And I'll tell you that the the way to look at this is that our brain takes in information from our senses, processes it, decides what to do about it, and then we act on it. So it's, it's a cycle that we're sensing, we're deciding, we're acting over and over again. And that cycle is happening all the time in our brain. And the, the, the magic recipe here that's really simple is that knowing that your brain listens to your eyes the most. The eyes have priority. So, you know, for me, that's why I develop games around eye tracking and, you know, movement. So your your body is moving with your eyes and your head moving because you're going to get better information to the brain because your eyes. And, you know, if you, if you, you look at, um, let's just look at a a parent, maybe it's their kids are struggling with homework. Okay. Uh, You know, I, I had a, a mom call me, um, lives in Chicago never met her. A friend had given her one of my brain speed balls that I, that I developed. And so she was going to use it for herself. And she, she brought it home and she put it on the counter and her 13 year old daughter found it and started playing, playing a game against the wall and kind of making up her own games and calling out the letters and numbers. And, um, and she said for the first time in her life, she could sit and do homework at 13. And it just changed the dynamics of the house. And I still get goosebumps when I tell the story because I know the disruption that can come into a family's house. It's coming to my own house. When, when your kids are struggling with something, especially homework that's every day and it's relentless and it's always there and it's, a, it's the temperature of the room, you right. know? It doesn't go away. Yeah. Uh, when that can be resolved, that's really powerful. And so, again, just to loop it back to making this really simple and really easy, because oftentimes when we're looking at solving these big problems, it feels like it's a very complicated and severe solution when it can be as simple as 
looking at how strong and flexible and coordinated your eyes are. Just like we look at the rest of our body. We want, to, we want our rest of our physical self to be strong and flexible and coordinated. But when the eyes are not strong, when they're weak, when they don't coordinate together, when they don't have endurance, we, then, then as a result, we can't focus. Our, our mood shifts. We can't regulate ourselves. And so that's the key. That's the ticket into it. And if you can, you can regulate and get focused, then whatever's in front of you, whatever that is, you can actually accomplish. Wow, man. mom and dads, I want you to listen to it because basically what I'm hearing at Tritt, you could tell me if I'm wrong. You know, if, if, you're, if your child had problems hearing, you would take them to a doctor to have that looked at. If, uh, if they had any number of other physical problems, you would take them to some type of specialist, somebody that had a special skill set to help you help your child. What Trent is here telling you is that there are people like him that are able to come in and have fun, engaging ways like this little ball. And that, you know, that can help you help your child to become the best version of themselves and to overcome their disability. Uh, uh, do I have that right or am I? Yeah. Yeah, because... You know, here's the other thing that this, this sensory training can be invisible for people can be sort of like, I don't, I've never really considered it because we take our, we take our kids and ourselves to the eye doctor to have our eyes looked at, but here's, what's really important to know. You're, you're always sitting still. So you're never moving. Your eyes aren't tested while you're moving and you're mainly being measured for visual acuity. So how clear is the image or the letter or number on the chart? And then they're really their business and their service and it's a valuable service because those of us that need glasses need someone who can measure what kind of glasses we need. But that's where, that's where their services sits in the majority of people. They're just sitting still having eyes measured for acuity to see whether or not they need glasses or what kind of glasses or contacts they might need. And, but the, the eyes play such, such an important role, way more important than that, that it's really worth investigating and evaluating and assessing those other pieces. Well, I, I find that that's, that's very, very helpful. Hey, moms, dads, guardians, you know, I, I want to remind you about uh, transmission, but before I go into that, I want to tell you that in the podcast show notes and in the podcast description, I'm going to put links to the services uh, that Trip provides along with his contact information at his website so that you too can go there and see what he has available to help your child. I highly suggest that you go to his website, take the time to look and see what Trent can do to help your child become the best version of themselves. Well, all right, that is part one of a two-part interview with Trent McIntyre. Be here for part two. Trent's going to continue to give you moms and dads a hope. He's going to continue to be that light in a dark tunnel. So be here for part two of my interview with Trent. Also, I want you to check out the podcast description because in the podcast description, you're going to find links to his website and his services. 
check those out. You will not go wrong in doing so. So, until next time we meet, I want to challenge you like I always do to go forth and fearlessly parent. God bless. <laughs>